Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Ellis of the Lockdown Indians podcast. I am doing this on my phone uh, in the middle of a commute. I am totally paying attention to where I am driving, but it's just like having a phone conversation with myself. Uh, the reason for that is I felt like I need to record a podcast. We're only going to have the three this week. But after some of the news of the day, it felt like it was definitely time to check back in and talk about uh, the Indians, the maneuvers that happened with other teams. If you were excited for a second, no, it's not the Indians, but it does have an effect on them. So I thought it was important to talk about because we saw kind of the last two outfielders of massive note go. There is still Yasiel Puig out there. Uh, You have to wonder after what happened today what the Rangers do. Uh, He is just sitting out there, someone that uh, fits uh, a need. And uh, after missing out on Castellanos, uh, you got to think that uh, they at least consider him now. Part of the rumors earlier were that Puig wanted some ridiculous, like, multi-$15 million over... He basically wanted a contract a little less than Castellanos got. Now, Castellanos is... is well, let's just... You know, I kind of buried the lead here. He signed with the Reds. And we'll talk about the Reds more on this show um, because they become an even more fascinating term team in regards to the Indians. Uh, also, give me feedback... Uh, you know, in situations like this where I have very limited time and resources, I was told last time that it sounded fine on the phone, that uh, people didn't have issues. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to continue to get more feedback on that and see how this sounds. So just stopping my thought to give you that idea. Uh, basically, if I can do things quickly, is this worth it? Let me know. But going back, Castigliano signed a four-year contract, but, 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 it has an opt-out after year one. So he can essentially... He can opt out, and because it's four years, sixty-four million, uh, so that's sixteen million a year, which is a little bit surprising. That after his really great finish with the Cubs, uh, it was also interesting that you know, here's a guy who sat back and kind of, you know, he he talked about very negatively about Comerica Park uh, and how bad a place it is for offense and how that suppressed his numbers. But when you look up the specifics, like America is a top 10 park in terms of home runs, runs. Now, I will say one thing. uh, Nick Castellanos was awesome at hitting doubles. Like, he was one of the best doubles hitters in baseball. And you might be like, well, that's because of the stadium. Actually, the stadium was pretty poor. That's the one area offensively that it seemed to uh, suppress a little bit was doubles. So he could put up some really ridiculous doubles numbers other places, but he might actually hit for less power. I have not sat there and done the overlays. I have not looked at it compared to other stadiums, uh, to Great America. But I think Great America was like, in terms of home run power, I want to say Great America was fifth or sixth, and Comerica Park was eighth. So it's not really going to be that big of an improvement for um, Castellanos. But basically what happens here is he gets one year $16 If he performs really well, he opts out, and the Reds can give him the qualifying offer. Now that means they could recoup a pick in a year because since he was traded from the Tigers to the Cubs, the Cubs are not allowed to do that. So he still has the ability to be given a qualifying offer. The Reds could do that and essentially turn, you know, one year of great production and $16 million into uh, a draft pick, which, I mean, that, that's a pretty good value for $16 million if Castellanos can um, do what he has done most seasons offensively. Now, if he stinks it up, he's still got, you know, what another <coughs> 38 million on the table quick math did i fail you guys can let me know no 48 million on the table yeah it'd be 48 16 times three but 
so he has that. It's kind of a nice golden parachute, right? Forty-eight million. I I would take it. Uh, so he has that. He knows he can at least get that. If he performs really well, he can opt out and be offered the qualifying offer. And then if he's afraid that's going to hurt his market, he can opt out and accept the qualifying offer, which would be for more than he's actually um, set to get paid. So he would get more money by opting out and then accepting the qualifying offer than he would for just staying. So no matter what, there's a good chance he opts out as long as he does anything remotely like what he did this year. So it's, it's, I give the Reds credit. They found a novel way to go out and get this contract done, to go out and add more talent. Where it gets a little bit crazy, though, is what are the Reds doing? Like, I really like Shogo Akiyama. He signed for more than anyone thought he would. Uh, he got, you know, uh, there was talk that he'd get like three, four, five, and he got seven million for three years. You don't give him that money unless you plan to make him your everyday center fielder. You have Nick Castellanos now, who has to be in left field. So I'm assuming the right field uh, platoon at this point. Um, Jess Winkler really hits righties well, has struggled historically against lefties. Uh, Arrestus Aquino is a right-handed bat, so you're thinking he would hit lefties. You could, so I, I, I see a platoon. Like To get both those guys at bats, a platoon makes a lot of sense. Now, both those guys aren't going to be happy about that. That's just the truth of it. And then the other talk came out not long after the deal. The Reds are aggressively shopping Nick Senzel. Now, they don't necessarily have to move him. I don't know if I like necessarily the idea of an aggressive shopping. I think they're very knowledgeable to the fact, though, that, you know, they they have, they could stand to improve at catcher and shortstop and that they are going to look at their, arguably, their best trade asset to uh, to get that done. There are some big caveats, though, and let's just get into those when it comes to Senzel. One, he spent uh, parts of the last two seasons on the disabled list. He has struggled to stay healthy. On top of requiring labrum surgery, he also had problems with vertigo and, like, his ability to, uh, you know, that ties into your ability to pick up a baseball in terms of hitting and things like that. Um, so you've got these injury concerns on back-to-back years. He... Uh, I love his ability as a hitter, but he was always kind of modest in terms of power. Like, it was going to be good, good power, not great power. Uh, Good base running, not great base running. Like, he's one of those guys that's probably a better prospect in baseball than he is a prospect for, like, a fantasy team, if we are being honest in terms of uh, his profile. Of course, the other problem is he came up last year, and we're very used to rookies kind of hitting the ground running. And he had below average numbers. His uh, runs created plus was a 90. He still has positional uh, <laughs> positional questions. The Reds played him in center field, but the Reds clearly don't care about defense. If you're um, going to have a team with uh, Moustakas at second base and Castellanos in left and, and Winkler, uh, Aquino in right, that's not... And you're counting on someone in their their early to mid 40s to play center. Um, you know, defense is not a high priority for them. And you know, I was looking at the um, the MLB trade site, and they still have Senzel as basically the equivalent in value to a Lindor. I don't think that's even remotely true at this point. I would argue that uh, Senzel's value is half as much as like what they show in that system, and it just comes down to the fact that positional concerns back-to-back years being shortened with injuries the vertigo one is particularly frightening labrums are not quick recoveries and some guys never come back all the way from it 
uh, can really mess with swing mechanics and power production. And then you add in he wasn't good at the majors. He, he just wasn't. He was surprisingly good defensively by a lot of, by like the fan graphs metric. Let's not say a lot. Let's say the fan graphs metric because that is what I looked at earlier. But he didn't have uh, anything that really, really stood out in terms of, I think this, you know, I know he's going to recover because of this. So there's a lot more questions after his first year in the majors and not a lot of answers. And I just, I think his value is, is overstated right now. And I think to teams, the value is a little bit overstated. And we've seen a really interesting thing where um, Sterling Marte, who was traded, and we'll get to that in a bit, like he went for high upside. We're seeing more and more teams being willing to go for high ceiling up the middle talent and the lower minors. Um, I think Senzel's problem is he's not that, you know, exciting, athletic, high ceiling talent. Like, he could be a very good hitter. But he's got to show more than he showed a year ago. And for an advanced college bat who's had his success in the minors, um, last year's production was a concern. I Again, I think... I think his value is way down. I think Jonathan India's value is way down. I think Hunter Green's value due to injury is way down. The Reds minors on the whole are way, way down. And that's going to hurt their ability to kind of go out. There is such a limited catcher market. I don't even know who they get chased to upgrade that position. Um, they really kind of, you know, screwed the pooch as it were by uh, not getting Grandal. Like that should have been target number one. One Grandel would have been better for them than Moose and um, than Castellanos. Like that upgraded catcher alone, that would have been better, and they could have always come back and gotten like Brian Dozier on the cheap, who's going to be a a solid addition somewhere. I mean, heck, they could have come out and gotten Cesar Hernandez, who the Indians got for a virtual song. Like there were ways for them to do it, and that would have been. I mean, and even if they weren't going to necessarily go out and get. Grandel, if they decide to still get Moustakis, get one of the other high-end catchers. Get someone else who can step up. I mean, Barnhart is a solid catcher. He's not going to impress you much with the bat. He's not going to do a whole lot um, there. He's going to be an above-average defender. But, uh, yeah, you just feel like they kind of missed out there. And then the shortstop market, you know, another place. that We'll see. This is where we kind of come back to if the Indians make a trade with them, what would it look like? It's kind of hard to guess. But, uh, you know, if they had signed Didi, if they had done something else, if they had, you know, done something rather than sitting there with Freddie Galvis. Now, a trade between the Indians and the Reds would probably be something along the lines of, we know they like Sensel, the Indians do, uh, be something along the lines of Sensel, Galvis, Hunter Green, and then maybe a flyer. Like, in my mind, that's kind of what you're looking at at a Lindor deal. And that is a really high value based on, you know, the trade rumor site or the trade site. But I'm telling you, I don't think Senzel's value is anywhere near where it's being listed right now. Um, it, it's interesting. There's there's definitely a world where it could be something like Senzel in India and then a, a flyer. I don't think it's Senzel, India, and Green, which is what people might like. And then Galvis is there because the Indians have no shortstop unless you want to try uh, Jose Ramirez at the position, which I just don't think is your, your best plan going forward. So that's uh, that's talking about what happened with the Reds. Uh, makes them a wholly fascinating team. Uh, outfielders for days, good pitching staff, uh, deep pen. Could use some more depth there. I mean, it basically more depth to become one of the best in baseball. It's a good pen. It's close to being a great pen. And then... Uh, 
you know their their lineup is pretty loaded so it's a a fun team to watch so let's talk about the other one we had another outfielder kind of go off the market as it were um if you're keeping track at home before i go into this one my my all free agent team your outfield is now uh cameron mabin kevin pilar and why am i blanking uh see this is what happened i mean hunter pence though he's not really playing much outfield but i'll just uh i, th- I have him on the dh on my other on that team but we'll, we'll put pence in the outfield because that's where he has played um there, there's still some interesting bats available out there at this point in the outfield is basically what i'm trying to get at but starling Marte, who's been uh kind of on the trading block not on the block on the block for months now finally gets traded to the diamondbacks diamondbacks a fascinating team no team in the nl west did more this offseason I mean, you can't argue that. That's just a, a fact. Uh, you got the Padres who have spent all that money. You got the Los Angeles Dodgers. But it's the Diamondbacks who added Madison Bumgarner and now Starling Marte. How fun is that outfield? Side note, Kettle Marte and Starling Marte. What, Cole Calhoun they also signed. Um, they're an interesting team from that perspective as well. I mean, they... I believe they gave money to Cole Calhoun. I could be wrong on this, but they also just gave David Peralta an extension. I mean, maybe they're going to try uh, to move Kettle Marte back into the infield. Like, he was an infielder um, before they put him in center. So maybe this is just, we're going to put Starling in center, we're going to put Calhoun on one side, Peralta on the other, and we're going to have Marte shift to second base. Uh, I'm trying to think who the Diamondbacks' starting second baseman is supposed to be. Um, you know, third base is Escobar... Uh, you know, the, 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 I should know the infield better, but this is what I get for doing a completely extraneous, extraneous podcast off the top of my head. But, yeah, they are a very fascinating team. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, the cost kind of surprised me. So they gave up $1 million in international money. Um, or maybe, no, 500 k It wasn't even a million. It was 500 k And a pair of prospects. Um, Brennan Malone, who was uh, the 33rd overall pick, in the draft this year got a two million plus signing bonus lengthy athletic pretty much all fastball right now up to 99 likely reliever uh, always a chance with athleticism and build and stuff to be a starter secondary stuff just wasn't there which is why he was able to be available at the 33rd overall pick um, he was their second of three first rounders their first one being corbin carroll their third one being Dre jamison i believe those were back to back wrong but you know they they got a bonus pick for a failure to sign matt mcclain the year before that and then they had um competitive balance and all that fun stuff so i mean the diamondbacks own last year's draft diamondbacks minors are crazy deep it's one of the best minors in baseball in my opinion um i just love the depth both of these guys have been somewhere in like the four to seven range for the indians i think um maybe not on my personal list but kind of when you look out there the shortstop is Laguero Laguera I want to say um he has been in the low minors and Malone pitched like all of eight innings so still I mean not really much to look at there and to to get Marte in the two years of that so uh they give up two low minors prospects which I am all for I'm like okay if you can get an affordable center fielder who can hit, uh, make your team better, uh, sounds good to me. 
uh, for the those listening at home, it's like trying to figure out what the Indians match up. I would think that Brian Ocolio would be higher rated in most places than the shortstop that um, was given up by the Diamondbacks. Like Rocolio to some people, or Rocchio has a is a top 100 prospect in some places. Again, I'm kind of all about production, so I'm not gonna. I don't get quite as wrapped up in some of that stuff. So he's a bit lower to me, but I think he would have made sense. And then in terms of arm, I think Hankins. If you do Ricoli on Hankins, that's a significantly more. You know what? Not significantly, but that is more because Hankins is further along than Malone. Um, has been kind of viewed in a better light than Malone. Uh, even at peak, Hankins was uh, viewed to have more ceiling than Malone. And then you flip over, and like I said, the shortstops, uh, Rocolio is, uh, Rocchio, I should say, I think, is viewed in a, a better light. Now maybe that helps cancel out the international money. I don't know if the Indians have that international money. Um, I haven't looked at their spending recently. But, uh, yeah, th- that I think is too much. Espino... I mean, Espino was not taken all that far before Malone. There is certainly a world where, like, Espino and um, and Rocolio makes sense as a straight up uh, for Marte. And if not, I mean, you can almost make a case that, I mean, if he wasn't hurt, that Rocolio and Lenny Torres would kind of be the perfect combination. Just because Torres is the... Uh, Lenny Torres was the high-velocity, likely reliever, whip-arm uh, pitcher. And that's, that's, you know, Malone is a bigger version, better chance at starting someday. But kind of taken about the same range in the draft, stuff like that. But, yeah, it, basically the long short of it is the Indians could have easily traded high or low-A prospects and added Starling Marte. Uh, we are really down to the fact where it is like... Hunter Pence, Cameron Mabin, come on down. Uh, Of course, I forgot Puig. That was the leftover outfielder. I mean, based on what the Indians are looking at, it's even somebody like Brock Holt. Come on down. He could at least play some corner outfield. He could be your super utility guy, essentially. You know, he could play some second, some third. When guys need a day off, he could play. He gets lefties and righties about the same, um, which is a little bit better than for his career than Nick Senzel hit them last year. Um, so I, I mean, now that I say it, like, fun fact, fun thought, um, there is a world where Nick Senzel just becomes Brock Holt all over again, based on what we saw last year. I mean, think about the positional, uh, play where he's been some of, if you go and look at Holt's peak years, I mean, there, there's some, there's definitely some Brock Holt to Nick Senzel now that you, I've got that out there. But yeah, I think at this point, with the Cleveland Indians, we are looking at a team that is very likely heading into the year with Jordan Luplo playing full-time in one outfield spot, Fran Mil Reyes playing full-time in the other, Mercado in the middle, and then uh, Santana at first. And then your DH outfield combination is, I think they're going to give Bowers another shot. I mean, that's what this is. If you're going to the season, it's likely with Jake Bowers getting significant at-bats again that he's the guy that you're expecting to step up. Uh, just in terms of who has showed something at some point for a period of time that they could be. Uh, it wasn't with Cleveland last year. It was the year before with Tampa where he had a stretch that he looked like a legitimate major leaguer. So I, I think that's the Indians still believe in him. They went out of their way to get him, and he fits the metric model. I mean, he was always young for the level. He always performed better in the level. Uh, 
he could be though you know I talked about before on the podcast kind of the the player that teams uh, artificially inflate push through the minors where he's just a little bit better than average even though he's significantly younger and that helps a guy um, significantly increase his prospect profile if you look at what his valuation was with the Padres compared to where it ended up with the at peak with the uh, the Rays, it's it's interesting, and a lot of that has to do just because they the Rays were very aggressive in his placement. So we'll have to see. I mean, I, I, the Indians will invite somebody. We don't know who yet. Uh, Matt Joyce is off the market as well. I didn't get a chance to talk about that. He is an interesting performer. If the Indians want to move Santana more to a permanent DH role, Mitch Moreland's have been a pretty good defender at first base, probably your best first baseman available. That's where we are. Um, in terms of the top 50 free agents, three left. Yasiel Puig, Brock Holt, Pedro Stroop, and if you believe the talk, talk Stroop will be off the market soon. Reliever market is incredibly ugly. Sam Dyson is hurt. I missed that earlier, but Steve Kinsella pointed that out to me on Twitter, so I changed my all-free agent team, and he's likely to miss all of the year. Uh, you still got Stroop. In terms of war from last year, uh, after Stroop, uh, well, Stroop wasn't the number one guy in war, but in terms of war, and if we're treating Kashner as a starter, um, then after the after Sam Dyson, the number one guy in terms of uh, you know wins above replacement, Josh Tomlin. So yeah, he's now on the all free agent team. Fun fact: that's that's who gets that spot now. That is how bad the relief market has gotten. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, again, feedback on audio quality. Is this worth it? Would you rather just have me wait a day to do the pod rather than do it on the phone? Uh, like I said, this is just a way that I could assuredly get the podcast done um, before I have to go home and, and do the family things. So this is, this is very roughly done, very roughly cut. Uh, all feedback is always appreciated. I am a teacher in my day job. I am all about constructive criticism. I want to thank everyone for listening. This has been Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I hope you've enjoyed my commute home from uh, driving through the beautiful city of Milwaukee. And as always, go Tribe. little Baxter here at the end. Uh, 